0: It's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist.
1: Featuring all the latest news and insight
0: on the association. Now joining the Big Show, senior NBA writer for Sports Illustrated, Chris Mannix. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.
2: Chris, hello. How are you? What's happening, guys? Nothing out here, you know, nothing at all. Nothing I, going on. You know, I, I, Chris, you write you write a story about the Jazz and how it's like uh, everything is wonderful, and then next thing you know, people are fighting over being able to play
0: or not. Well, compared to last year, this is like a CW drama, <laughs> you know. Compared to the the level of issues the team had last season, um, you know, I, I don't know where, what to say about you know what what happened there. I mean. The Jazz staff wants him to play. I believe them to be just, you know, anxious about re-injury. We saw with LeBron James uh, coming back a little bit too early, retweaked his ankle, out another week. And I think in part they probably thought they could steal one. You know, the, the Grizzlies were, you know, basically on the outside looking into the playoffs had to fight their way in. I think they thought at home they could steal a game against Memphis. It, it ultimately backfired, but. I mean, come on, I know, you know Eric Waters, the head trainer, one of the best in the NBA, and that staff in general you know, would do anything to have Donovan Mitchell at 100% out there on the floor. So, look, a player of Donovan's caliber is always going to want to play through stuff. It's oftentimes on training staff and management to uh, hold them out when they don't think they need to be held out. So that, I think that was the case, and hopefully for Utah, it's just a, a minor bump uh, on the road to bigger things.
1: When we talked to you last week, Chris, we didn't know who the Jazz were going to be playing. So, give us uh, your thoughts on this matchup and how these two teams uh, uh, match up in this series.
0: I mean, Memphis is tough. Um, you know, I voted before the end of the season for Dylan Brooks on my all-defensive team. You can see why. Like in the first two playing games and in Game One of of this series, he is a a pest. Like he gets into you and he makes your work. Uh, every second you're out there on the floor, and that's probably what Donovan Mitchell is going to be up against going into game two, just a jersey full of Dylan Brooks, who's going to hound you uh, all over the floor, not to mention what he was able to do excuse me, offensively in game one. So they've got weapons. Uh, I think they're peaking at the right time. Getting Jaron Jackson back a month before the end of the season was huge for them. John Barrett is obviously you know, approaching that, superstar status, they're not superstar, but star status uh, in this league. So, yeah, they've got a lot of weapons. Like, you're not going to just roll over them like a traditional eight seed. Uh, they're going to contest every single night. And you have to, you know, make sure you don't play at their pace and you've got to be real tight defensively to, to keep them off you.
2: What kind of difference do you think Donovan will make in this game? I mean, we saw him play all year. We know what he's capable of, but going up against Brooks, how do you think it'll go?
0: I mean, enormous. I mean, we've talked all season long about Donovan Mitchell being the guy to carry the Jazz through any kind of, you know, uh, sluggish time offensively. Just, you know, pick them up when need to and be that guy in the fourth quarter. They've been able to get by pretty well without him. Bogdanovich playing the way he has has been a part of it. Mike Conley is a part of it. Gobert is a part of it. Um, But, you know, these these are the, the moments that you need Donovan Mitchell. Look, you know, Brooks is great, but... You know, a great offensive player will be a great defensive player almost every time. Yeah, you know, it's just the way it is. I mean, Steph Curry had to work hard in that game, uh, the last playing game, but he still got his numbers in that game. So I fully expect Mitchell to get his numbers. I think the key numbers to watch are going to be, you know, field goal percentage. Like, can Dylan Brooks force Mitchell to shoot in the low 40s or somewhere in that range? If he does, no matter what Mitchell gets, You're probably going to call that a win if you're Memphis. Um, If if Mitchell's able to shoot a high percentage, uh, it's a win for Utah and probably win the game for Utah.
1: You know, I think uh, game one was an interesting game. The Jazz didn't shoot the ball well. They turned the ball over in the first half and some things that they can kind of button up with you know, a practice and and maybe a little more focus. Uh, The biggest issue, I thought, was when it came down to the fourth quarter and John Morant had the ball and the Jazz needed a stop, they couldn't get it. So, I mean, what, you know, Ja isn't the perfect player. How do you, how do you, do you just run three guys at him and get the ball out of his hands? I mean, what's the best way to go when it comes down to it?
0: You know, it's, it's a tough call. Um, They do have some shooters on that team. So I don't know if I, you know, just trying to force the ball out of his hands. I think for a young player, the key is going to be showing him different looks, you know, make him think when he's out there on the floor, you know, make him see things he's never seen before. And that's, you know, an advantage when you're a good coaching staff, having seven games to dig into just one team, that's where coaching comes into play. So I think that's a big part of it. And look, as much as John Morant was the issue, this has been a three point bombing team all season long. And that can be effective in the playoffs. We've talked about this. We got to make threes. You can't be this volume shooting three point team and shoot what they shot in game one. It's as simple as that. Like they make, you know, 5% more of those threes. They probably win the game. So I think if you're Utah, you know, it's settle in. Uh, don't get kind of overwhelmed by the moment and make those shots that you've been making uh, all season long. If they shoot the way they did from three again in game two, uh, it's going to be challenging for them to win. It really is. What's your
2: evaluation, Chris, of Valanchunas?
0: Uh, useful, that's for sure. Um, you know, I mean, especially when you're going up against a team with a big, like, Gobert, uh, I think he's fit in in Memphis a lot better then, at least I anticipated, I thought he'd be kind of a situational guy. He's turned into an you know, all-four-quarters uh, type of guy. So, big physical, can play through him in the post, easy opportunities, offensive rebounds pretty well, uh, just solid all the way around. And you know, it, I was having this conversation with somebody the other day when it came to the Warriors, like in James Wiseman. like You need a player like Balanchunas and Wiseman to go up against Utah and Phoenix and the Lakers in the Western Conference. Um, a guy like that is, is pretty useful.
1: Taking a break from the Jazz and the Grizz for a sec here, Chris, um, it, Austin, and I both thought Miami was going to be a bit of a sleeper going into the playoffs, and they're down two zero to the Bucks and got thumped last night. Do they have a shot still, or are the Bucks rolling?
0: No, I mean they have a shot. You know, Milwaukee's going to have to go to Miami and win on their home floor, and Miami's not the type of team to get you know flustered by what happened. But yeah, the Bucs have been telling any reporter that will listen, myself included that they are a better team this year than they were last year. I've had this conversation with John Horst, and I've parroted kind of his comments to me over and over again because I believe them. Like They they may not have had the best record or a better record they had last year, but they're a better team. Like Drew Holiday, as you saw, makes them a better team. He's a far, far more consistent player than Eric Bledsoe. Giannis didn't win MVP or won't win MVP, but he put up monster numbers once again. The shooters on that team – are really good chris middleton can create his own shot better this year i think i mean they're complete they really are i mean yeah there's always going to be questions about Giannis and and can he get his own shot in the fourth quarter and the free throws how big an issue is that going to be in a close game but they're better than what they were last year they're mentally tougher than what they were last year and you know miami which you know beat them pretty soundly in the playoffs last season they're, they're seeing a different team out there and and for all those reasons Miami's going to have to find something to to change things up to to get back in the series.
2: What do you like in that Nuggets-Blazers series? Uh, that Joker guy, he's pretty good.
0: Yeah, he's really good. I mean, yeah, like the, the first half of that game last night was like classic Portland. You know, Damian Lillard has 33 points, I think it was, and the Blazers are down 12 because their defense is terrible. Like that's... That's kind of what they are, at the, you know. Right now, they can score with anybody. Lillard pulls up from everywhere. He is great offensively, but they can't stop anybody. Um, that being said, it is still a coin flip type of series. I mean, no Jamal Murray even the odds, and you know, every night you're wondering where the production is going to come from from the Blazers guard or the Nuggets guards. You know, not just offensively, but you know who's going to defend Lillard and McCollum. The answer so far is no one. Um, so, you know, the Denver is not infallible uh, at all. So Portland's got to feel pretty good splitting the series, going back home. Uh, but they're going to have to get stops at some point because you can't give up 73 points and a half and you know, expect to win many playoff games. Not against a team that's even without Jamal Murray is as, as good as Denver.
1: You know, it's funny, the 2-7 the matchup in the West, obviously, is the Lakers and the Suns. So the Suns, you know, the higher seed, they've got home court. Yet when the, the Suns won game one, the reaction seemed to be from everybody's surprise is just because it's the Lakers, I guess. Who is the favorite in that series?
0: Yeah, you know, I, 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 I'm still saying the Lakers are favorite in every series until they get knocked off. Um, you know, and, and the Suns series could hinge on the health of Chris Paul. I mean, you know, Monty Williams has sent some signals out there that he's improving, but he was a one-handed player in the second half of game one. And, you know, the Suns were fortunate to pull that out. Devin Booker was playing out of his mind. DeAndre Ayton was the best big man on the floor. Um, You know, they they got good contributions all the way around, but Chris Paul as a one-handed player is not going to be successful. And you could see the grip on the ball wasn't there. The jump shot wasn't there. I'm really interested to see tonight what version of Chris Paul appears In this game, if it's a fully healthy version or 90% of it, um, the Suns have more than a puncher's chance here. Like they're they're a really good team, and and they do a lot of things that can cause the Lakers problems. But LeBron, AD, uh, a healthy Lakers team, the more they play together, the better they're going to be. I I still think the Lakers uh, have to be considered the favorite until again somebody knocks them off.
2: And there's that other LA team. We've heard your opinion about the Clippers
0: in the past. What do you make of Mavs Clips? I mean, why why is anybody surprised that the Clippers are in this position? Like, I'm just tired of hearing over and over again how the Clippers are improved and they're a real title contender. Well, I, you know, Kawhi Leonard even said it. And I wrote this yesterday. Like, he said, you know, our success is based on what's between our ears. Like, are we mentally tough enough? Is what he was implying. And like, they lose game one, and now their entire season comes down to tonight. If they go down 0-2, guys, they ain't coming back. Not going to happen. Like, you're not winning four out of five against Dallas with no home court advantage. You're just not doing it. Um, so I'm, I'm very interested to see who steps up for this Clippers team and you know, who looks like they want the ball in key moments. The Mavericks aren't going away. Like, they, they fought the Clippers tooth and nail last year, and they were at a very depleted roster. I mean, Porzingis went out after game three. Doncic had a bad ankle. Hardaway wasn't the player he was this year. Jalen Brunson wasn't the player he was this year. They're vastly improved. So they went into the series with confidence. Uh, so uh, the Clippers are going to have to hit back pretty hard. and I don't know. I, I don't know if they have the, the mental toughness to do it. But, you know, make no mistake, like, it's it's almost hyperbolic, but the future of the franchise is at stake here. I mean, Kawhi Leonard's a free agent after the season. Everybody keeps assuming that he's going to come back. I don't know why. Like, I've done two magazine profiles on Kawhi Leonard. I barely know the guy. Like, anyone that thinks they know what he thinks, you're just wrong. So, uh, you know, Kawhi, as an unrestricted free agent this summer, after back-to-back years of bowling out early, I wouldn't be confident that he's going to come back. And if he doesn't, what do you do? You have no draft picks. You've only got Paul George. You've got some really no young talent on that roster outside of Zubach. You know, this, is, this is a massive game for the LA Clippers. They've, they've got to win this one tonight. They to have a chance of winning the series.
1: I know you've got a close eye on the Celtics-Nets series. Um, is, is Brooklyn going to be the buzzsaw that they looked like they're going to be in game one?
0: Well, I mean, it looked like it at times, right? Like, in the first half, they looked like they exactly like a team that never played together. Like, they they were out of sorts all over the place. And then the Celtics, who are a very flawed team without uh, Jalen Brown, uh, they couldn't get enough stops, and nobody besides, you know, like Jason Tatum and a couple other guys were making shots. So, yeah, that's the Celtics' big problem. I mean, Kemba Walker was 5 of 16, Evan Fournier, 3 of 10. You can't have that and expect to beat beat the Nets. So I'm just, you know, I'm just curious to see how the Nets gel in the next week to 10 days. Like, do they get better as they go along? Does the Kyrie, uh, James Harden, Kevin Durant trio, uh, do they find some, some more chemistry after only playing like seven, eight games together during the regular season? They're definitely not infallible either. I mean, the Celtics kind of with a good defensive game plan, made them look kind of silly at times in the first half. And other teams with better personnel are probably going to have equal to More success, so uh, you know. I think the Nets certainly showed some things, and like showed when they get going, they're really hard to stop. Especially the start of the third quarter when they just ran the Celtics over coming out of the locker room. Uh, But you know, they're they're still a team that is has has the ability to be beaten and and beaten pretty easily.
2: Chris, do you think the Jazz come back to beat uh, Memphis? And if if it's going to happen, what has to occur?
0: I I do. um, I just think they're a better team, and as long as Mitchell is. I don't know, 80, 85% of what he once was, and he's not you know, hobbling on that ankle or uncertain on that ankle, uh, I think they'll find ways to win. I mean, give the Grizzlies credit, I and mean, they came in and won a big game, but I just, I think the way the Jazz have defended all season long, that's going to come back. Having your go-to score back on the floor is going to make everything easier for everybody else. I just think you're going to see a more fluid and responsive Jazz team uh, in this game, too. And look, okay, again, it's all... Contingent on you know Mitchell not hesitating. I mean, we saw LeBron again, not to bring it back full circle, but we saw LeBron when he came back early, a little hesitant, not as sure of himself, not going to the basket quite as hard. You can't have that if you're Donovan Mitchell. You've got to be relentless, going to the rim, attacking, getting to the free throw line, you know, driving kicks, all that stuff that, that made him great during the regular season. You have got to have all that. And but but if they do, you know, I not only think they can win the series, they will win the series. I think they'll they could win it in five, maybe six games if if they're all the way back.
2: You know, you mentioned LeBron, uh, Chris, uh, such a great player for so long. Um, but the drama, I mean, uh, it, it, it kind of kicks Jake and me straight in the face. I don't know. Is it is he always on stage? Is that what the root of that is? or And does it bother you at all or is it nothing at all?
0: I think it, it diminishes the accomplishment just a hair, right? Like. I mean, the shot he made to beat Golden State was ridiculous. You don't need to say, like, I was seeing triple S shot in the middle. Like, come <laughs> on. Like, this is not a movie. Like, I mean, that that's, it's, I'm sure that his eye was, was bothering him, but I don't believe he was seeing three reps. I, I don't believe that. Uh, so, it, it kind of, you know, it's like he's looking for the narrative, looking for the storyline that's out there. I mean, but that's small potatoes. I mean, the guy's unbelievable. He's in his mid-30s, and he's doing things that no player in their mid-30s has ever done before uh he's still an unstoppable force when he's out there on the floor and healthy just you know credit phoenix for having a really good game plan you know to to slow the lakers down and enough offensive firepower with you know booker and aton and all those those jump shooters cam johnson uh, to beat him but he's yeah lebron's still just a generational talent we're we're just not going to see anybody like him for a very long time
1: uh, the drama, I described it to Gordon, Chris, as uh, LeBron's uh, viewing things as if from the lens of the documentary 20 years from now.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's like the last dance. You, yeah. you know, this is like, oh, it's a play-in game. And look, he's, he's, look, he didn't set it up this way, but if the Lakers win a championship this year, it might be the greatest accomplishment he's ever had. I mean, going from the seventh seed, being part of a play-in, and then winning a championship, he would have gone from winning a bubble championship to winning a championship as a seven seed. Combine that with coming back from 3-1 down to beat the Warriors, that's like, that's the trifecta right there. That's the triple crown of, of great accomplishments. So he's he got it. Like, it's just you know, how he kind of embellishes it, I think, that, uh, that I would say it bothers me per se, but you notice it. Do you think it
2: stems from the fact that he's had a camera on him from the time he was, what, 13 years old?
0: yeah and and by the way, never done he's been under more of a microscope than any athlete in sports history, including Tiger woods like he has been under the hottest of lights since he was fifteen years old, probably and what has he done that's been bad besides this stuff like the goofy little narrative driving stuff he doesn't have anything criminal and there's nothing bad that he that he's really ever done maybe the, like we hold we hold against LeBron or stuff like that and like the decision from back in 2010, which was a dumb TV show idea that was originated by young guys that, you know, thought they were doing the right thing. Uh, that's it, though. <laughs> that's it, and that's that. To me, that's as much an accomplishment as any for LeBron to to be the kind of role model that he is and, and the leader that he is, despite the fact that he is the most scrutinized athlete ever. Uh, I find that to be just as remarkable as anything else.
1: Chris, thank you as always. Have a great week. You got it, guys. Our friend Chris Mannix, senior NBA writer for Sports Illustrated. What he
2: says is largely true. I mean, LeBron is such a great player. Um, it, it kind of overwhelms the rest, and yet the C and three baskets thing. See, just, I, I can't get rid of it. It's just it, you want to get rid of it. it. It's like, no, no, don't tag that on there. You don't need that. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of uh, someone who over-decorates their Christmas tree. You know? It reminds me let, of somebody let the, who— Let the tree uh, breathe a little bit, you know? Let some of the natural stuff come through. You don't have to throw tinsel all over every branch. It reminds me of somebody who really overcooks their
1: anecdotes.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, I can't stand that. <laughs> all right, stay tuned. <laughs> it's the big show. We'll have more coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.